Welcome to the Becoming Well podcast, the podcast that explores the intersection of faith and mental health. Today on Becoming Well, we are going to talk about boundaries with family members and how to set those boundaries and if the boundaries look different and how that looks for our mental health. So I am Dr. Hendrickson and I'm joined with my good friend, Dr. Deb Gordon. Hello, Deb. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? This is so timely because I was just reading um, in Second Samuel this morning. Mm-hmm about David taking over the throne from King Saul mm-hmm. and talk about messed up family dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> but he's pretty good at setting boundaries. He's good at setting boundaries, yes. Right? He, well, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, it always strikes me when I'm reading through the story of David how often he was intentional in seeking the Lord in every decision right. that he made. Men is a few, Bathsheba, right. but <laughs> the big ones, right? And I always, and like I read through it and I'm like, look at all these things I've underlined mm-hmm. and haven't put into practice mm-hmm. in my own life. Boundaries yeah. with family is hard. But I love that you said that David always went and connected with his father, with God, right? That's the key to even conceptualizing how we set boundaries. Yeah. Right. Sometimes we, we do it out of anger and reactive to it where we really need to be proactive. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and it, it, it feels like, you know, you know, when reading the word that David was very proactive. Right. He was he was he understood what God wanted him to do, which wasn't always easy in terms of setting those boundaries. But it allows you to have this solid foundation and this affirm or affirmation of this is what I am doing correctly for God and in turn for me and his people. Yeah. 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 I mean, the intentionality piece is so key there because I think what we see, I mean, I know in my own life, I certainly don't always go, let me pause before I make this decision. Right. And (laughs) seek the Lord, you know, and like every (laughs) major decision you see, David, like, let me have the, the e-pod, the e-pod. How do you say that word? I don't know. Is it e-pod? I'm looking at Caleb because he's a biblical studies major. Is it ephod, Caleb? And he knows <laughs> ephod. That's right. Do you speak Hebrew, Caleb? No? Your name is Hebrew. Caleb. I think one of David's sons was Son. named Caleb. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I digress. He always <laughs> sought the favor of the Lord and, and, the, and the guidance and direction of the Lord mm-hmm. before making a decision. And usually me, it's like, okay, there's a decision. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then... I kind of jump in and it's impulsive and, you know, so, but it's interesting. Somebody told me recently, they said, you know, Deb, um, I would love to just be in your head or <laughs> be in your life, which I was like, no, you don't. But um, <laughs> because I would imagine that, you know, the decisions that you make are really wise. Mm. And here you are helping me navigate my family dynamics. And I can't see, this is a fellow counselor mm-hmm. and I can't seem to figure my way through it. And I said, well, because your emotions are involved. Right. Like you were just saying a minute ago, yeah. family dynamics are tough because our emotions are involved. Absolutely. We don't have the perspective of being outside mm-hmm. the impact and the influence of other people, other people's decisions on us like family. Absolutely. We get a bird's eye view. That's why, you know, we always tell people you can't counsel your family members, right? Or close friends because 
our everything. We can't be objective. But when we are helping someone else, we can totally be objective, like you said, because our emotions aren't involved at all. And that's why I think it's very difficult to set boundaries. That's one of the reasons I think it's difficult to set boundaries. I think about this a lot because I am very much the type of person that will say, well, that's that's my family member, whatever family member it is, right? So I will make an excuse not to set such strict boundaries because of the type of relationship that I have, right? Even if it's toxic, (laughs) even if it's unhealthy, that is blood. That's my blood relative, you know, and I can't be like that, Yeah. right? And here's the hypocritical part of me (laughs) that oftentimes when other people say that, They'll say I shouldn't. They should be like that. I should be like that because I'm the daughter. I should be like that because I'm their sister. Right. And, you know, I'm the rational emotive behavioral therapist. So I'm challenging their shoulds. Yeah. Why should you be? You you want to. You prefer. But you don't. You know, you're when you should all over yourself. (laughs) No, that's so good. And that's what he says. Uh, Albert Ellis. Um, he does. He says you should all over yourself. You should all over yourself, right? And when you do that, you tend to, it, it provides these, it, it starts these rigid beliefs that does not allow you to be rational. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, why should you, right? right. There's Where is that written that you should be better than your sister or you should be a better Christian. You would prefer to be, you would like to be, you want to be, but when you have rigid boundaries, that's when it becomes even more um, detrimental to your mental health because you have these expectations of uh, these irrational expectations of what you should be, right? That you're never going to meet. Yeah. You're never going to meet. And we do that a lot with our family members because we think that we should behave a certain way because we were born into the same family. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I always think should is like a judgment, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically telling ourselves you're not living up to the expectation. Mm -hmm. So it's very judgmental and it causes a whole heap of emotions to arise within us. Um, But, you know, let's 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 talk about this practically. So thinking about family members that would be difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. And you and I have amazing family members. So we're Absolutely. not going to use our own story. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have pretty amazing family, um, but we also struggle with boundaries. Yes. Yeah. But I think about like some of the stories that people have shared with me, like navigating a spouse that has is maybe going through a significant period of depression mm-hmm. or grief or anxiety and it's extending on or navigating a child who has, you know, persistent disruptive challenges in school Mm -hmm. or maybe they have learning difficulties or maybe they have a severe mental health diagnosis Mm -hmm. or medical issues or maybe it's a family member who doesn't you know doesn't respect and uh, you know uh, uphold the boundaries of the relationship and they're Mm -hmm. taking advantage of your financial situation or Mm -hmm. the resources that you have and when it comes to those kind of dynamics, it's kind of, I know a lot of people that I've talked to, they, they share, I have a really hard time setting boundaries there. Mm-hmm. And so they constantly sacrifice of themselves and their own well-being, you know, and it's kind of cliche, but it comes back to that, that, uh, you know, the statement that when you get on an airplane and they tell you when the oxygen mass drops, mm-hmm. you have to cover yourself first. first. Right. I love that. And you know what, you make a good point in terms of, 
all of the, you know, we do have great families. And that's what I want to be clear when we talk about boundaries. It doesn't, it's not an indictment on how great our family is and how great a person isn't, right? Yeah. You and I are really great friends, but we have boundaries with one another. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so we, we can have very... <laughs> what do. Do you, I said we do. We do. I, know, I think we do. <laughs> we do. We do. Because I think they, they've been drawn and unspoken. Yeah. Be, and that's why I think we, we um, get along so well is that we are very perceptive of one another's boundaries. And, you know, boundaries aren't always the these, you know, red markers in the, you know, or putting this deep, you know, sand marker line in the sand, but understanding and uh, knowing that person and what maybe triggers them or knowing that person and what bothers them. There are times, I I think you and I talked about that. Remember I called you and I was like, are we beefing? (laughs) (laughs) We do. Okay. So you said that we have two boundaries that came to mind Mm -hmm. when you said that. One is you, when I remember we had a conversation, we may have even talked about this on a previous podcast. This is maybe a year, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a group, I don't remember what it, what, what it's called, but it, there's a group that you are kind of unofficially a part of that is several other therapists of color. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we had a whole conversation about how it's important for you and for other therapists of color to have that space. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's something I would love to be a part of because so many of... The women in that group are people that I love and care for. And I understand and I don't personally understand, but I hear and respect that boundary. And Mm -hmm. I see why it's so important. Mm -hmm. That's one area. And then the other that comes to mind, it's more of a funny one, is where you've told me, hey, if we're on the phone and you need to go, you can interrupt me (laughs) and say you need to go because you will love to share a story (laughs) and we'll just keep going. (laughs) And so I know there's been times I've been like, hey, I got to go. And we literally stop mid-sentence, mid-story. And I feel so uncomfortable with that. (laughs) But it's a boundary. And those are yeah. two boundaries that we hold and respect for one another. Absolutely. And that, that comes from relationship and yeah. trust in that relationship. The problem with boundaries, I think, with family is that, again, there's this expectation, kind of like, um, you know, you see that in a church a lot where there's this expectation that you always have to say yes. Yep. Right. And you because it, it's it's part of you, at, you know, and it may be unspoken or even unconscious to you that is part of your, you know, your identity with Christ. And you're a great Christian if you, you know, you're not going to say it. But oftentimes we believe that if we don't say no. Right. Yep. And so I think it's a little easier with friends because there's a little less um, intensity of expectation, I guess, um, w- at least in our relationship. Yeah. But it doesn't look the same with my sisters and I, right? And my mom, it does not. I have to work a lot harder to be intentional about boundaries. They probably would say, no, you do pretty well because <laughs> I tend to come off as if this is what I'm not going to do, right? Yeah. But I think for my emotional health, I, I oftentimes, I'm very, I feel guilty about it, mm-hmm. I feel as if I'm a bad daughter, I'm a bad sister. So it's so there's a few sides to boundaries. It's setting that boundary, but also remaining healthy when you set that boundary, right? You can set a boundary and then, you know, people aren't crossing it. Say that they respect you. But how what good is it when you are beating yourself up and feeling guilty about the boundary that you set? Yes, which I... I totally struggle with that too. And it's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I wrote about this a little in my book. I When my mom passed away, so my mom passed away 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And 
it, my brother was 11 at the time. Mm. And I, it, it was a God moment that I felt a nudge, and I'm going to say it was by the Holy Spirit, to call home. Mm. And my brother answered, mm-hmm. and my dad had just found my mom. Oh. and was navigating that. And my brother was just kind of, I, w- I was living in Virginia. They were in Arizona. My brother was, you know, like kind of just, I don't know what's going on. I think mom's sick. And and I just, like the Holy Spirit intervened. Yeah. And I was on the phone with him and he walked to a neighbor's house and I stayed on the phone with him. But since then, mm. I have always struggled with not answering the phone wow. when my siblings call. Yeah, And that can be overwhelming. I mean, my family and I are really close. So right. My siblings call. I mean, they're they're great. They're they're not overwhelming. They call right. when they want to call to say hi or yeah. when they want to check in or see how I'm doing or ask advice. And they have no issue if I don't answer the phone. Right. Right. But there's this thing in me that mm. feels super anxious yeah. and probably connected to some of the trauma. Yes. And yes. I have a hard time setting that boundary. Yeah. And so the outcome of me not answering the phone is I start to panic about, is everything okay? Is there something on the other end? Mm. Do I need to be able to, you know, to step in and care for something? And wow. I got to work through that emotionally almost every time I set the boundary to 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 not answer the phone. And so my point mm, in sharing that story that. is even when, I think a lot of times we think, okay, once I get to the point where I own and I recognize the importance of setting a boundary, mm-hmm. I have this unconscious expectation that all the emotions that come with setting that boundary, like you're sharing the guilt or the fear mm-hmm. or the anxiety are just going to disappear. Mm-mm. And they no. don't. No, because the usually when we have problems setting boundaries, they stem out of something unhealthy. Yes. <laughs> right? And yes. so we know as helpers that even if we exercise the behavior, we still have to work on the emotions that are attached to that. Totally. Like you said, they don't just disappear or dissipate and you're, you're just healthy all of the sudden, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? We, we should develop nice. something that does that and we would be, we'd have a lot of money. Both fairy dust. Yep. Both fairy dust, <laughs> which we would be very wise stewards of so after we buy a boat. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wouldn't it be just awesome? I'm digressing here, but if we were just doing our podcast floating around on a boat right that would now. That would be so nice. Can we make that happen, Caleb? Caleb's all for it. Would the podcast even happen if we were on the boat, though? Mental health on a boat. That should be an episode. <gasps> that would be nice. Underwater. <gasps> Underwater. <laughs> you just go skydiving. What is it? Scuba diving. Scuba diving. I said skydiving. <laughs> You need a vacation. I need a vacation. <laughs> and I won't be skydiving. <laughs> no. So boundaries with family. So how do we, uh, what do we do in those moments where we set a boundary? And I realize we probably still need to kind of flush out what that boundary is. Like I think for whatever reason, I think I was doing Moody Radio one time and mm-hmm. somebody called in and was talking about a, like navigating a spouse's challenges. Mm. And this had gone on for years. And mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what the challenge was, if it was like a, an episode of depression or if it was an addiction problem, something like that. But it was kind of this, you could just kind of hear in their voice, mm-hmm. I'm married to this person. Mm-hmm. I committed for better, for worse mm-hmm. in front of God and all these witnesses. And yet I didn't realize how worse worse could be mm-hmm. and how long worse could go on. Last, yeah. Last. And so, you know, they were they were really wrestling with what does it look like to set boundaries in a season like this? And that's the hard part. Right. That's the hard part, because when we set boundaries, um, 
it's not us just changing. The other person's affected by it. Yeah. Right? And especially if you have, you know, this history and you waited so long to set boundaries or something changed and you have to set boundaries with someone you've been with forever or for a very long time. I've been married 20 years. And Craig and I are constantly evolving and having to reset our boundaries Mm. because we're changing. Yeah. And it's not always easy, right? Because like I said, if you're setting boundaries, that means that you no longer can treat me the way that I allowed you to treat me. And sometimes it feels unfair. It's like, wait a minute, out of the blue, you've let me do this for so long. And now you're saying it's not okay. You know, there's something important in there because you and I both have done like couples counseling in professional capacities mm-hmm. before. And I think that's such a difficult part of the change process mm-hmm. is because oftentimes the person who is setting the boundaries mm-hmm. has been hurt, mm-hmm. right? They've been they've been hurt, potentially traumatized. They've got some residual resentment mm-hmm. and, and pain that they're working through. And yet when they set those boundaries, the other person is not going to change overnight, as right. you said. And so there has to be, I think, in order to promote long-term change there has to be and this is a really tricky thing Mm -hmm. some some grace and flexibility on the part of the person setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and that's hard Mm -hmm. because anytime that the other person you know steps over those boundaries again out of habit out Mm -hmm. of an established pattern of behavior usually the person who set the boundaries has a reactive response of see i knew this wasn't going to change and you the operative word is grace and it's tough. It's and, and so I'm telling tough. you from a, a, a perspective of a parent, because even as a parent, I have to set a lot of boundaries with my 16 year old. Right. Yeah. When you, especially when you're talking about teenagers, because they really are. They're no longer this extension of you. And you can just kind of just run around with them as a toddler. <laughs> they're this individual person that a lot of them, you know, is like you and a lot of them is not like you. And you have to reestablish boundaries. Right. Where yeah. sometimes Amaya will say something to me and I'll say that's not OK. So, for example, with her and she actually excuse me, let me I always interrupt myself. I know that. <laughs> She actually sets boundaries with my with me as well, right? It's kind of like when she became, you know, when she started to become a teenager and things started changing outwardly and emotionally and hormonally, she told us, "No, you cannot just barge into my room." Yeah. You know, or and you know, she she I believe she said it more politely, and sometimes she doesn't always say it politely. But, I think how you're like, I think I think she did. Yeah, I think right. <laughs> and or you know, when when she got too big, where she didn't want her dad to pick her up or hug, she wanted a side hug from him and no longer a front hug, right? Because she's growing up. Yeah, and that is hard for us. And so even for us as parents, when she would do that, I remember crying because it was like, wait wait a minute, this is my baby for X amount of years. And now all of a sudden you don't want to come snuggle with me or I can't just barge into your room and play a game with you or you don't, you know, want to talk to me about something. I'm this, this, this subject is off limits for you right now. Yeah. Right. And that can be very disturbing because it is this expectation that you, you know, if, if you have respect for the relationship that, I need to be able to hear my daughter, doesn't matter how old she is, as an individual and the things that make her uncomfortable and hurt her that I might find perfectly fine and loving and the and she was fine with it. And so I think oftentimes we, you know, we think about this in terms of certain people, but it happens as 
us being parents, a spouse, right? My husband and I, like I said, 20 years, we're always growing. Yeah. We're always changing. So we're always reestablishing establishing boundaries. The the thing with, with Craig, I go to counseling. Yeah. that You've established that. And when you go to counseling, you typically find some things out about yourself that you're trying to address. Yep. I have done the same thing in my counseling as well. <laughs> right. Which means some of the things that you might have to address may involve your family members. Yep. Right? So there are times I will come up the stairs out of counseling and I, you know, I have to say, you know, Craig, I need to talk to you. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> right? He's just like, wait, you're supposed to be down there fixing yourself. How did I, you know, get involved in this? But it's oftentimes something that I didn't realize was, um, and I want to say this carefully because I have the best husband ever. Like, I'm biased, of course, but he's so he's dope. He's pretty awesome. He's pretty awesome. But but there are some things where I'm like, you know, I don't like this. And I don't want us to make, it's usually communication. I don't want us to communicate this way any longer because I'm realizing the reason why we would argue or the reason why we would uh, engage that way based on a certain subject maybe is because of a painful past. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm addressing that, can we reestablish the way that this, this communication looks like in this context? Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. I think it's so huge because what you're saying is when we establish boundaries, we, we will be more effective in our communication and our practice if we're willing to come in also looking at ourselves mm -hmm. and what we bring to the table. That's mm -hmm. so important because I think oftentimes we come in going, I've got to set boundaries because you're doing this to me. Right. And and that very well may be true. I don't want to minimize anybody's hurt and pain mm -hmm. from others over in their family overstepping their boundaries. But we always bring something to the table. Mm -hmm. And we soften the communication and the approach when we're willing to always look inside ourselves and mm -hmm. to see what we bring. Right. right. And and like you said, it goes back to what what we bring and then allowing some grace, mm -hmm. especially if it comes out of the blue. Yeah. Now, th the third or fourth time, that's a whole different beast. Yeah. But if you are, you know, maybe first time establishing boundaries, we have to allow for grace to um, be it, uh, so vital in our that relationship because we're not going to be perfect. Yeah, because there are times where I might tell Craig that I'm working on this and he will respond a certain way that respects that. But I forgot I set I, I, I uh, set that boundary. Yeah. And he's like, wait a minute, but I'm responding to you the way that you wanted me to respond to you. But now you don't want me to respond to you that way. <laughs> right. So it, it is is very complicated when we're setting boundaries. Not only do we need to have grace for ourselves, but we actually need to have grace, like you said, to so go back to that um, for that person because they have to change. Yeah. And that's the hard part about that, because if you're not in a relationship where the relationship uh, has the foundation of uh, respect, that's very difficult mm -hmm. because it's very it's, it's it's difficult even when you do respect that person because yeah. change is difficult. So if Craig, when Craig comes to me and he does this as well, this is not we're gonna we're gonna change this. I don't like that. So can we talk about how this could look different in our relationship? I love him to death. I respect him with the utmost respect. 
but it is difficult and sometimes it makes me irritated or angry, right? So yeah. can you imagine if it's someone that you don't respect or you're someone that you don't have love for? So I'm wondering, is it possible to have all of these different um, feelings and, and uh, amount of grace and, you know, love for someone you're setting a boundary with that you don't really respect? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I definitely think it's harder. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think about how do we approach those relationships? Like I, I was I was reading um, this person that I follow on social media. I was reading their their post recently and they are big advocates for foster and adoptive care. Mm. Um, but I think they come at it from a really healthy perspective. Like yeah. how can we advocate for for biological families and mm-hmm. birth parents and, and whatnot. Um, and that in and of itself is a whole nother podcast. It sure is. <laughs> but <laughs> I love what they said because they were they had been taking some feedback from people that follow them. And somebody said, you know, they were really struggling with their foster care placement because they just felt like they were seeing all of the things that the biological parent was doing wrong. Mm. And they were caring for this child and they were wanting to adopt this child and, you know, kind of struggling with that. And I loved the other person's response because it says, have you gotten to know the biological family's mm, story. Mm. Like, have you really gotten to know their story? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know where the, the root of this quote comes from, but there's a statement that we hear a lot, hurt people hurt, hurt people, people, right? Right, right. And so I think about when you're struggling with boundary setting and when you're struggling in relationship with a family member that you don't respect, have you really stopped to consider the depth of their story? Because mm. hurt people hurt people. I mean, mm. rarely... In my experience, there are a lot of hurt people in the world that hurt people. Rarely in my experience does somebody wake up without any baggage or history, traumatic history, painful history, broken history, you name it, which really doesn't exist. But rarely does anybody wake up and go, you know what? I want to maliciously harm some people right. today. Just like out I want of the blue. Pur- yeah, out of the blue. No purposefully. Right, right. They, they're hurt. Mm-hmm. They're hurting people out of their hurt. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you justify the behavior that, they, that, they're, that they're engaged in, the overstepping of the boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about navigating family members with addiction. Mm-hmm. People don't. A lot of times, I think, fully understand the scope of addiction and how it affects right. the brain. Right, right. And, and how powerless people can feel to overcome addiction. So often mm-hmm. they look at addiction and go, well, just stop doing it. Mm-mm. Don't go to the bar. It's not that easy. Don't go to the dealer. Right. Don't go to the website. Don't go to the, you know, mm-hmm. the casino, casino, whatever it is. Whatever. Yeah. No, it, literally addiction changes the structure of the brain. Yes. And the brain yep. is now driving your behavior to seek that out as mm-hmm. a way of actually calming mm-hmm. all of the mess happening inside as the neurons are firing, not getting their fix. Mm-hmm. And so I, people that are navigating family members with addiction, it's like, just just stop. Like, stop hurting us. Stop making those choices that are causing me pain. Mm-hmm. And it's not that simple. And you're not right. justifying or you're not minimizing the impact of the behavior. Mm-hmm. But if you can get a full scope of the story, mm-hmm. sometimes, a lot of times, you can at least grab onto a nugget of empathy. Right. A nugget of you know, willingness to to at least step into the other person's shoes mm-hmm. and go, let me validate the pain mm-hmm. of what you've experienced. Yeah. I think that starts to build mm-hmm. a little bit of the respect 
that's necessary in in setting those boundaries in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm not I'm not going to give you money. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be a place that you can come. Speaking specifically to addiction again, I'm not going to be a place where you can come mm-hmm. and and stay mm-hmm. in the midst of being kicked out of your you know your your house mm-hmm. or whatnot. Thinking of sibling, adult siblings navigating family members, siblings with addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I am going to be this person for you, right? Right, and so it's consistency on both sides, mm-hmm. setting a boundary, but then being consistently the person that you are authentically that shows love. Whether it's maybe maybe the limitation of showing love just to a family member you're struggling to set boundaries with is is verbal, right? Text, call, mm-hmm. show up. Remind them how much you love them. Remind them how consistent you are as a presence in their life. That you don't have to give in to these other areas to be that loving, caring family member. Yeah. So you can you can value. It sounds like what you're saying that you can hold the two ideas of valuing yourself and the other person at the same time. Yeah. Because oftentimes when we think about boundaries, I think sometimes we we say, you know what, I'm over it. I'm going. I need to value myself, yeah. which is true. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that then you have to uh, like demolish the other person because yeah. that's oftentimes when we get to that point, it's so reactive. But understanding that setting boundaries cannot be done in a healthy way without the idea of grace and understanding that other human. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I love that you use addiction because that's a, a great example to show that I love you and, and I love you. That's why I'm setting this boundary. And I love myself as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that to me is is huge when we talk about setting boundaries. But I but I, I, I want to kind of go in the direction of and, and you kind of hit on this. The way we set boundaries can look different with different people. My therapist and I were talking about this. <laughs> And I was complaining to him and, and it was it, it sounded so dumb. And he said, I, let's not minimize this. But I, I was telling him, I said, you know, people will make comments about a specific uh, of two specific things about my appearance. And sometimes it's done in a way that is in a joking way. And it irritates me. But it irritates me because it's out of the, the irritation is, is from trauma or from being teased about it for so long. But other people see it as something that maybe not, that it's not a big deal. It yeah. wouldn't be a big deal. And I said it irritates me that people just feel the need to always comment on this one thing about me and I am supposed to just take it. And he said, well, OK, well, let, how would you say what would you say to them? And I said, you know, I don't want to say anything bad because if I say something back, I might say something really rude. Right. Because I usually say it just out of just being mad. He said, well, well how would you say it? I said, like, it depends on who it is. Right. If it's <laughs> yeah, if it's a stranger. You know, depending on the stranger, if it's someone that I know really well and we have a great history and that person genuinely is a jokester, then I might say it differently. But if it's someone who I think usually says something very malicious, I might just blast them in my most sarcastic way ever. Right. And just my evil villain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so he you know, and he said that he said and that's fine. 
depending on who says it in the relationship that you have, it's the way that you set the boundary. But it doesn't mean that you don't set the boundary. Totally. Right. So he's saying, I don't care if it's your mama or I don't care. I mean, and that gets a little tricky. I understand that. And I don't care if it's this and I don't care if it's that person. You still need to value yourself. But because you value that other person or you have a different relationship with that person, you may have to pick a different way to do it. But do not um, sacrifice yourself so that you, you know, so they can feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as we're kind of coming to an end here, I'm going to summarize what we've talked about so far. So we've talked about the importance of not saying I should be this way, Mm -hmm. not judging ourselves when it comes to relationships with family members, recognizing that every relationship requires boundaries, Mm -hmm. that depending on the level of connection with this particular family member, obviously a spouse Mm -hmm. may be a different conversation and a different type of boundary than adult siblings living apart, but navigating, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, caring for a, 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 an elderly parent mm-hmm. or or one sibling having addiction. There's going to be different boundaries between parents and children. And I love how you articulated with your daughter, who's now 16, mm-hmm. empowering her to be able to set some of her own boundaries because mm-hmm. that's what she's going to be able to need to be able to do when Absolutely. she goes out into the real world. Absolutely. Um, recognizing how we set boundaries by saying, you know, this is what I need. This is the this is what I would like to have a conversation around, but mm-hmm. offering grace to the other person in the process of change mm-hmm. because boundaries and lack of boundaries is an established pattern of behavior that's not just going to change overnight the second you set boundaries into place. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the last thing I would love to just kind of spend a bit of time talking about is reorienting or re uh, changing our perspective on on the purpose of boundaries. Mm. Because it was coming to mind, going back to kind of some of the Old Testament reading, is like God is kind of the king of boundaries. He is the king of boundaries. (laughs) What you're not going to do is. Right. (laughs) And so often, I remember um, I was going to my church, this was a couple years ago, and the pastor preached a sermon on Moses not getting enter the and getting to enter the promised land. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I always read that read that. Yeah, I, <laughs> you just made the best face. It was like the sad, like poor Moses face. And I always am like, for real, God, like this, right. this man <laughs> sacrificed it all and right. dealt with these really angry, upset, complaining, bitter Israelites for forty years <laughs> right. in a flipping desert. <laughs> you don't let the guy enter the promised land. <laughs> Milk and honey? <laughs> Come on. Right. And we get mad like we're like mad at God. Right. Like seriously? Like that's, you're not fair. Right. That's not even right. <laughs> and yet I think about it and I think about, okay, well, Moses did break some boundaries and mm-hmm. we may look sure. at them as punitive, but we don't understand the full context and right. culture of the times. Right. But I also think about, wait a minute, hold on, hold up. Moses got to go to heaven. Mm. <laughs> that's mm. got to be... I don't know, a thousand percent better a than the bit, promise. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and so something happened in my life not too long ago. I had had this conversation with God and you and I talk offline a lot. And you know that I've kind of overcommitted to some things as of late. And so this is maybe two or three months ago. God and I were having this conversation um, and, and I just felt very clear that God was saying, hey, you need to take a pause on adding any more clients to your private practice. Mm. I see like five to six clients a week max, Mm. but I was getting kind of overwhelmed. And so I, I just felt like that was a decision I made with God. I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. 
and then I didn't say no to like two additional clients. Uh. And it wasn't much. It was two, right? And then, and, and, you know, in, in the work that we do, there are certain clients that, um, that we're gifted in working with that bring sure. us joy that we're passionate about. Like I have some students who they're super excited to work with kids mm. or some students who are super excited to get trained to work with couples right. or this particular mental health challenge. Right. Mm. Um, and so we all have our, our clients that we really feel equipped and skilled and enjoy working with. Right. And so I hadn't said no to, to bring on two clients. Mm. And a couple weeks later I get a referral um, for a client and it was like the client that I love working with like mm-hmm. the type of issues that they're navigating things I love working with mm-hmm. and so when that person reached out to me my immediate reaction was oh yeah let's make it work absolutely mm. well I'd already broken my commitment by adding right. on two clients right and so um, we had a little bit of back and forth communication but ultimately I never heard back from this client and I just had this thought in the back of my mind I felt like maybe God was saying, you know what? I'm going to set the boundary for you. I'm going to set the boundary for you. And I'd actually set it up Mm. so that when this client reached out, you would have had the space. Mm. But you didn't respect the boundary that that we made a commitment together on Mm. beforehand. So you don't get you don't get this Mm. right now. Oh, yeah. Right. And so I think sometimes we see boundaries as negative, Mm -hmm. bad, harmful, Mm -hmm. They're infringing on our own personal well-being mm-hmm. and sense of happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. And yet I do think God in his sovereignty is going, these boundaries are healthy because I want you to experience the, right. the fullest joy and fulfillment of life. Right. And you can't say yes to everything and you can't care for everybody mm-hmm. and you can't overextend yourself in every situation. And if you want to experience joy and fulfillment, you need to learn to say no. Right. Absolutely. I love that because that that centers us on our model. That's that's our model on yes. how to set boundaries is to look at how God sets boundaries with us. Yeah. Right. And how even when you read the word, like you said, how Jesus set boundaries with everyone he came in contact with. Everyone. Right. And that is our model. Sometimes we. Go into like like we talked about earlier, setting boundaries based on our stuff or just being fed up or just responding, but not doing it at here. Here's the prototype of how not only how to set a boundary, but why we're setting the boundary. Yep. Let's look at God. Let's look at what he says. Let's look at his history. Let's look at even his words and how he said it, right? Because sometimes when I think about boundaries, you know, I, I'm the mean girl in my head, right? I'm yes. Just, yes. <laughs> People right? are going to be irritated at me because <laughs> I'm just like setting boundaries left or right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to say it because, you know, or I'll say it just really harsh or either too loosely and, you know, where it leaves so much room and ambiguity where they're like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> you yeah. know, where if I look at, you know, God and our relationship that he has with us and how he sets boundaries in his love and his grace um, as to why he sets those boundaries, that is a huge blueprint on how we are and why we should set boundaries with one another. Yes. That's huge. Yeah, I totally agree. So if we can look at it as, you know, again, boundaries pave the way for healthier opportunities mm-hmm. in our relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have healthy boundaries with 
Craig, when you have healthy boundaries with your daughter, when Mm -hmm. I have healthy boundaries with my family and my siblings and my parents and my closest friends, Mm -hmm. we enjoy a more harmonious relationship. It's not the absence of conflict, but we have the mental space. We have the energy. We have the patience to navigate the challenges more effectively when we set those healthy boundaries. And we do it with respect. Mm -hmm. We do it with intentionality. We do it with careful and gracious communication. Mm -hmm. And we do it humbly owning the things that we bring to the table. And I want to say that when... You, we have that mutual respect. It enhances the relationship. Yeah. I've seen this with my husband. I've seen it with my daughter. And it is, I keep saying my daughter because it's a very tough time for her. So she's navigating a lot. But when we respect one another's, one another's boundaries, and I'll say something like, Amaya, remember when mommy told you this? And there are times where I, you know, I, I will flat out say, listen, you are going to respect me as a human, not because I'm your mom, but because I'm another human. So I don't like that. Remember when I told you this? I don't like that. And in turn, she's she like we talked about earlier, she will tell me, "Mom, I don't like that. You 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 constantly say this. I don't like that." Yeah. Right? And it's not that I stop doing this and she stops doing that just because we don't like it, but understanding the boundaries and the respect that we have for one another when they when they're working in the mo- in the most optimal way with us, we love being around one another. We love it. Yeah. Because we're not so um, fearful of that person saying something wrong or they're going to say something that's going to trigger me. Or if they do say something that's going to trigger me, it's not out of this in this this uh, malicious, you know, uh, spirit or, you know, they're intentionally trying to hurt me. But we've talked we understand that we are both working on some things and we both need these boundaries to be able to sit in this healthy space for ourselves and one another and ultimately God, right? Yeah. It not only enhances us and, and you know, we set, we set boundaries that, oh, this is going to help us and we're going to be this. No, it enhances that relationship that you're setting boundaries. Yep. Now, sometimes that boundary has to be where you have to completely be away from that person. I get that. There are circumstances where that person, that boundary is... We will never talk again. But oftentimes when we make a habit of setting healthy boundaries in our day-to-day living and with our relation in our relationships, it really makes a relationship so beautiful. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So that's what we're going to end with today. Yeah. Try um, setting a boundary. Mm-hmm. Try thinking about what are the boundaries that you need to set with family in your life right now and how you're going to approach that conversation. And mm-hmm. Also pause to consider, and I'm thinking about this for myself right now, what are some of the things that you bring to the table Mm. that could be damaging or harmful to the other person that you can take ownership over Mm -hmm. in the conversation around setting boundaries? I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing. Yes. Great. Well, thank you for listening. We hope that you check out our other episodes. Uh, You can find us at becomingwellpodcast.org. You can follow us on social media. Um, we are on Instagram now, Becoming Well Podcast on Instagram. And uh, give us a like, give us a review yes. on all the major podcast platforms. And we hope to see you here again soon. Have a good one. Bye.